is A-M-E-M, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, U-S-A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General General Cigar Cigar Dave. My fellow alphas, we are officially commencing our weekly conversational maneuver where we enjoy and discuss all things alpha, be it cigars, spirits, delicacies, diversions, dames, politics, current events, worldly events. We are very intelligent, as you all know. We can talk about a multitude of subjects, and we do. When you go to a cigar lounge or you go to have a spirit with some fellow alphas, you discuss what is currently taking place in the world, whether it's sports, business, politics, news. We are far smarter and far superior than beta males. This we know. This we do not apologize for. So for the next two hours, buckle your seatbelts. And get ready for Alpha Male Pleasure Maneuvers. Long-ass greetings and salutations. A long-ass snappy salute. Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw the climate change wackadoodles. It is your five-star commanding general and global Alpha Male-in-Chief, Front and center, Command Center Alpha in the Cigar City, where I am surrounded by thousands of magnificent cigars, fantastic spirits, incredible delicacies, and of course, the lovely bodacious dames in the harem. We are politically incorrect, and we are damn proud of it. There are three genders that all you need to know about if you are a listener to this program. Three genders. Forget all these these nonsensical made-up genders you hear, cisgender, quadrigender, trigender. No, no, no. There's three genders. Male, female, and the third one. Sergeant Steve, have you been paying attention? Freak. Correct. You are correct. It is very simple. Male, female, freak. In fact, I had someone earlier on social media, I think last week, Somebody was talking about various general uh, uh, genders, and the guy responded saying, hey, you just need to listen to what Cigar Dave has to say. There's only three genders, male, female, and freak. MFF. That's all you got to worry about. That's all you have to memorize. We are proud to be alpha males. And it is a pleasure, a delight, before we continue on to discuss what is going on with, or what took place with the British parliamentary elections Yesterday, we go across the pond, I should say, yes, fantastic, to Mick the Brit, the colonel in charge of the European Theater of Operations based in the United Kingdom, who is joining us now from the Brexit situation room in his man cave. Mick, in your honor, we play God Save the Queen. Hey, what happens when the prince becomes king? Is it God Save the King? Probably, yes. 
I don't what know. Do you mean I'd probably? You're British. Should you not, should you not know this? I, I, well, I'm not a constitutional expert, General, and I'd have to speak to one of those first before giving an affirmative answer. Mick, by the way, in terms of the monarchy, <laughs> it's over. Yeah. It's done. Prince Charles, yeah. it's over. He doesn't... The handwriting is on the Buckingham Castle wall. It is over. When Queenie goes, bye-bye. I'm telling you right now, there's a backlash from what I hear in Britain that people have lost faith in the monarchy. They think it is a waste of time. You're about the only one, Mick, that thinks it's great to devote your hard-earned tax dollars so the queen and her royal family can live in luxury. A dollar. And, yeah, uh, all the thousands of people that visit the palaces, uh, particularly Buckingham Palace, to watch Changing of the Guard, etc. The thousands of people that come and observe that, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to uh, want the demise of the royal family here. Yeah, uh, Mick, sure. Mick yeah. you can yeah. still yeah. have yeah. Buckingham Palace and the Changing of the Guard just without having to pay for the lifestyles of the royalty. General, even royalty had to play their part uh, yesterday when... Uh, the um, Boris Johnson. Oh, by the way, have you noticed the Russians interfered with our general election? We've now got a prime minister with a Russian name. Yes, very interesting th- you mentioned this, <laughs> Boris. In fact, my understanding is Boris and Natasha, his girlfriend, Russian yeah. espionage agents. In fact, I'm going to get to story later on in show, talking about Glenn Simpson, Peter Frisch, the two mm-hmm. enemies of America in charge of global GP, uh, fusion GPS, which created fictional Trump dossier. Now they oh, are yeah. saying Britain needs own Mueller report on Russian interference. They can't accept the fact that the libs got their asses handed to them. Boom. Yes. They got and it whacked. Happened here. Whacked and <laughs> yeah. smacked, Mick. Yes, indeed, General. So we are... We are in celebratory mood that the uh, Conservatives, Boris, get Brexit done, are in power. Well, there was a, I tell you, I watched all last night into the wee hours of the morning, and it went all night on the BBC, and I watched Sky, Sky News coverage. The Conservative Party, led by Boris Johnson, the current Prime Minister, they picked up, I believe, I want to say 55, 60 seats. Jeremy Corbyn, the anti-Semitic, uh, anti-American prick, Jeremy Corbyn of the Labour Party got their Tuchuses handed to him big time. I think they lost 75, 79 seats. So the Conservatives, 43% of the vote, Labour 32%, and the SNP, the Scottish National Party, 3.9%. The Lib Democrats, 11.6%. Now, the Lib Democrats, do they ally themselves with the Labour Party? They have done, General, yes. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, although they want to be their own party in their own right, yes. They're uh, like Labour. They're sort of fairly liberal. You see, the Labour Party, they were really the blue-collar workers, people like myself. That was what they had, the backing of the unions, and, you know, they were there for the workers. But they're, they're not that anymore, General, and people have said enough. So much so, yesterday, it was seismic. There were areas, little tiny mining villages that have fathers and uh, grandfathers and great-grandfathers had always voted Labour. It turned blue, conservative blue, yesterday for the first time. That is how seismic the election was yesterday. 
uh, and to equate, it would be like Donald Trump turning uh, California from red or from blue to red. You know, it would be go, become uh, a republic state. Now, I should say that in Britain, the conservatives are known as blue, the uh, liberals red, whereas in the United States, the Democrats are blue and the Republican yeah. red. We say red state, blue state. It is the opposite. So conservative blue. Now, I thought this, this is amazing. The way it works in Britain, I did not realize this. I know they have every precinct. We have, for example, congressional districts where people run for the House, and then the states have obviously two centers. A little different because it's a parliamentary system, a unicameral legislature in the UK. But here's what's interesting, is that as opposed to the United States, where basically the head of the Secretary of, uh, of uh, Elections or the Commissioner of Elections in a particular county, uh, and then it's certified by a state Secretary of State, the results just come out. There's nobody basically speaking the results. They're just generated by computer it comes out you know in a main center but in britain every single precinct or district they actually count the votes at the district level so it doesn't go to like a big like we have counties here but it doesn't go to a higher authority if you will in britain and all the candidates are at the hall where the the votes are being counted where there's one person who announces the vote all the candidates stand there on stage. There could be two parties, five parties, seven parties, however many candidates, and they wear like a colored ribbon. It looks like they went to the state fair and won the best hog contest. <laughs> I'm not kidding. If they went to like the uh, Iowa State Fair or the or the Nebraska State Fair and and you know they were they were uh, entering their hogs or their cattle and the judge said, "Congratulations, your hog won!" Boom, and they put a giant you know ribbon. Everybody Rosette. wears a ribbon. We call them rosettes. Yeah. Rosettes. Yes, Sterling, Mick Sterling, rosettes. Mick, I should say, Boris Johnson did not wear one. He is the prime minister. So even though he's the prime minister, he still must run for his seat. He must win his yes. district, if yes, you will. Right. He must win, win his precinct. So here's what's interesting. I'm watching this, and he represents the Uxbridge and Ruslip South District. Where is that, Mick? It's out near Heathrow Airport way. It's over that way. So I'm sure lots of the lieutenants have flown into London Heathrow. It's over that way. Outstanding. So the gentleman who is counting, you know, they counted all the votes. They're delivering the results. And there were some very unique candidates. Now, you've got the prime minister of the UK, of Great Britain, standing up there with all these other candidates. And some of yeah. these candidates, to say they were cockamamie, is an understatement. Mick. Take a listen. Okay. We've got the audio when they were uh, 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 releasing the results from the Uxbridge and Royslip South precinct yesterday. Harvey Jonathan David, commonly known as Count Binface, independent, 69. Stop it right there, Sergeant Steve. Count Binface. Yeah, There's basically. There's a comical character, Count Binface. Yeah. You could, yeah, you can do this. Uh, literally, uh, you can. Um, you have to make like have a deposit, and you have to get some nominations. But if you come up with the deposit money, then you can enter uh, an election in your district, in your area. And the main thing with our parliamentary system is general. There are six hundred and fifty seats up for grabs. It is the party that gets 326 so that's like 51 percent anything above that or that or above 
you've got the majority. You can form the government. So, yeah. So you do get occasions when MPs, people that have been in office, uh, even at, at cabinet level, that will, when it comes to election, will lose their deposit. They will not get the vote um, and somebody else gets in. So, yeah, we've had the monster raving loony party as well. They still crop up. But that was from an old skit. If you uh, check out um, Monty Python, that was uh, a play on when they did a, an election. Yes, and the Conservatives won 365 seats, so they are the majority party. And, Mick, you yeah. probably heard Pendragon's Royal Baron. I certainly did, yeah. In his approval, yeah. because as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as I, I looked at him and showed him the Conservative Party results with Boris Johnson, he barked. He was thrilled. So, wait, let's yeah. continue on as they read the election results <laughs> from Uxbridge at Royslip South, which is Boris Johnson's home precinct. Hughes, David, Stephen, commonly known as Lord Buckethead. The official monster raving loony party, 125. <laughs> Burke, Norma, independent, 22. Courtney, Jeffrey Dennis, UK Independence Party, 283. Humphreys, Joanne, Ilone, Liberal Democrats to stop Brexit, 3,026. Johnson, Alexander Boris de Feffel, commonly known as Boris Johnson, the Conservative Party candidate, 25,000. <laughs> 25,351. Kia, Mark Allen, Green Party, 1,090. Milani, Ali Reza, Labour Party, 18,141. Smith, Robert Jr., commonly known as Bobby Elmo Smith, 8. Tobin, William John, 5. Utting, Alfie John, Independent, 44. Jogenstein, Yace, commonly known as Yace Interplanetary Time Lord Jogenstein, 23. <laughs> Sergeant Steve, the stop it right there. Was it Yace was Interplanetary Time Machine? I mean, some of these... Hey, by the way, Boris Johnson's name's Johnson Alexander Fethel? Yeah. I, I, apparently, yeah, I didn't know commonly that. Commonly known as Boris Johnson. But I got to tell yes. you, the monster loony party, Lord Buckethead, behind the yeah. guy reading... The, the results, guy's in a suit and a tie, he's at the lectern. Behind him is this guy dressed up with a bucket with a little hole so he can breathe and see, this wearing all black, and then Elmo, the guy looks like Tickle Me Elmo in a red Elmo suit, is behind him, Bobby Elmo Smith. I mean, I've never seen anything, I'm watching this last night on BBC, or it was actually, it wasn't last night, it was yesterday in the wee hours of the morning, so it was actually, it did take place yesterday, not Thursday, because when the results were, were finally rendered, it was already Friday, but I'm watching this thing saying, you've got to be kidding me, could you imagine if you had Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump <laughs> and about four other loonies, you know, dressed up somebody as, as Batman and a guy named Lord Buckethead, all sitting there and they're giving the results? Only in Britain, Mick, I've got to tell you, but it was most entertaining. And to watch them all lined up, and then when the election results are, are rendered, 
they had a couple of favorite candidates, favorite candidates who lost incumbents. The look on their face was priceless. It was yeah. it was fascinating television, Mick, I have to tell you. Yeah, well, yes, thank you for your observations there, General. And yes, we, we are, likewise, we're sort of curious about the American e- elections when they happen. And uh, you basically got the two-party system there, where here, yeah, if you, you know, I could form the, shall we say, the Mick the Brit Cigar Freedom Party. Now, if I put the deposit i go along to the count i'm there and yes um all the votes if uh, have to be read out officially <laughs> i don't know how these guys do it with a straight face general mick mick wait a minute mick i want you what what precinct are you in oh well actually uh, the precinct i'm in is uh beckenham beckenham and hayes Be- beckenham. which is at the yeah next parliamentary election mick yeah how much does it cost to register uh, I don't know. I'd have to speak to my parliamentary. Uh... Well, you need to speak to your MP or their office because I yeah. want you to run as Mick the Brit on the Alpha Pleasure Party. I want. You, okay. I think you will get more than at least one vote. I know you're. I know. I know. Um, yeah, which would be Mama my mom. Yeah. Will vote. That would. Yeah, she'll <laughs> yeah. vote. So you got two at least. But I think you oh, can it's get a more. Oh, birthday Mick. today. <laughs> oh well, happy birthday yes. to Mama the Brit. Tell extend yeah, our, our happy Brit, birthday Brit to her. Yeah, thank you. Yes. yes and Colonel Brit, Ange's birthday you. is next Thursday, so a happy birthday to Colonel Ange. She's yeah. probably going to be Sorry, in the pooch pit. All right, but let, yeah, let's okay, General. Let's do this. But it's going to be a, a, about four or five years before that happens. Mick, no uh, problem. And, we'll wait. But okay. I believe okay. you will get. <laughs> I think you'll get more than the 125 votes that Lord Buckethead, Count Binface, got 69. I'm telling you, and Elmo got eight. So I think you will get more than that, especially with all the people you know that are cigar connoisseurs, that are alpha males, that you yeah. frequent, uh, you know, and hang around with at the various yeah, cigar yeah. lounges and cigar retailers. Yeah. Mick, I'm counting mm. on you. I want General, you to, here's yes. the deal. I want we need you a manifesto. Get, well, if you get more than eight votes that, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Bobby... Elmo Smith got that Elmo. Yeah. And I think you can get more than, I, I'm telling you, I think Mick, I'm not sure you'll get as many votes as Lord Buckethead at 125, but Count Binface, I think you can beat him at 69, although I will say this, 69 is a good number, <laughs> oh, I like that if number. you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I do know what you mean exactly, General. Yes, indeed. So, yes. listen, if you got 69, Mick, that would be a moral yeah. victory. That would be fantastic. Oh, in more that ways would be than one. So, get, the next, yeah. we're, we're going to run you next time. Now, here, here's the thing, Mick. We, we have some yeah. audio. Now, of course, when Boris Johnson won, you'll recall that Boris Johnson, now President Trump, came out already and stated that we will craft a great trade deal directly with the UK. Screw the the uh, the EU. You know, Brexit. It's yeah. about time. And by the way, that was a major repudiation of all those political elites who wanted to overturn the will of the people, just like we're seeing here in the United States with the liberals and the Democrats trying to overturn an election. They don't like the fact that all these these elites, these insiders, President Trump doing his part to drain the swamp, not business as usual. What happened for three, four years after Brexit was voted upon for the UK to leave Brexit, they could never get anything through Parliament, yet all these people say, oh, we should have another election, so Boris Johnson called their bluff and said, fine, let's have another election. The people that favored Brexit spoke in droves, and President Trump has already come out stating, we will do a trade deal. Now, you'll recall, not that long ago, Vice President Mike Pence 
was visiting Boris Johnson at 10 Downing Street, and here is what Boris had to say about a trade deal. The U.S. economy is a, is a wonderful, massive uh, uh, opportunity for, for UK firms, but it is still the case that, you know, you, the, the United States of America, the people of the United States of America, do not eat any British lamb or, or beef uh, or haggis uh, from Scotland. I think there, there are still barriers to uh, trade in shower trays, if you believe it. Oh, shower trays. Oh, who knew the British were big in shower trays? Now, there is a barrier mm-hmm. on haggis, Mick. Mm-hmm. Love Boris, yes. support Boris, but I'm sorry, we don't want any haggis in the United States. And for those that may not be versed on what haggis consists of, it is a Scottish dish consisting of a sheep or calf's offal. Would you like to know what offal is? Of course you do, because I know many of you have never heard of offal. It is a variety of meats, pluck or organ meats, the viscera, the internal organs, the entrails of a butchered animal. Doesn't refer to a particular list of edible organs, but just most internal organs. So, for example, heart, liver, spleen, lungs, all that just delightful sounding delicacy. It's mixed with suet, which is a type of fat on the organs, oatmeal and seasoning boiled in a bag, traditionally made from the animal's stomach. We have no interest, Mick, in haggis. You keep the haggis. Nothing goes to waste, General. Good. Let all the Brits be very, very efficient and eat every part of the animal. We'll just consist, we'll just eat the muscle part of the animal. Now, Mick, I should also say, I did not realize that shower trays, you know, just the bottom of a shower is such a big deal in Great Britain. I mean, we get shower trays. I don't think we need to import them from Britain. I think there's other things we can import from Britain besides shower trays and haggis. And we certainly don't want black pudding, which is a blood sausage made from pork blood, pork fat, beef suet, uh, suet, and a cereal, usually oatmeal, oat groats, or barley groats. No thanks. You keep that there. In terms of what British delicacies, fish and chips is good, some shepherd's pie is fine, but haggis, no thank you. Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Apple, Android, and Kindle devices. You can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. 
To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, to commemorate the big win by the Conservative Party of Britain and Boris Johnson, we need something appropriate, very British, or British-sounding. So I have pulled a crowned heads luminosa. Now, when you think about crowned heads, you think about crown you think about England, the king, the queen, maybe not for long because once the queen goes, monarchy, it's over. Call her a cab and a monarchy for a one-way ticket out of the UK. But Crown Heads Luminosa, a nice, creamy, medium, mellow, very flavorful cigar, comes from my good friends over at Crown Heads, John Huber, Mike Condor. In fact, we will be featuring a very special offering for the Officers Club. In fact, let me take a look at what the month I think that is upcoming, if I'm not mistaken, in February. Yes, February 2020, Crown Heads. We'll have a very nice sampler from Crown Heads. Beautiful boutique cigar manufacturer. They use several other manufacturers to make their cigars, but they have really created a unique niche. Great names, great blends. In fact, they work very closely with Ernesto Perez Carrillo, La Alianza Cigar down in República Dominicana. In fact, I remember we all had lunch together, I think it was back in Miami or here in Tampa at the Columbia when they were talking about their blends initially. But the Crown Heads Luminosa was released two years ago. Comes in five different sizes. And it comes in an, with a, a, an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper. So you're going to get a nice bit of smoothness, maybe some subtle sweetness. They don't tell you what the binder or the filler is. It is a secret. But it is a very smooth cigar. Ernesto Perez Carrillo knows how to properly age these cigar tobaccos. He will not release anything until it is ready to go. I love the orange band Luminosa, being a Syracuse orangeman myself. Like the bet. Blue is my favorite color, followed by orange. So I love the band. It's a beautiful Colorado-colored tan wrapper. Outstanding. And I have pulled out the Petite Corona, four and a half inches in length with a 44 ring gauge. I normally smoke a Toro, that's my favorite, or a Magnum, a 6x60, or even a Robusto, occasionally the Churchill. But to me, a Petite Corona is just a classic size. 
four and a half by 44, five, five and a half by 44. Love the Corona size, very flavorful. Suggested retail is about uh, $6 for this particular Petite Corona. But the range is, uh, ranges from six to about eight, eight and a half dollars. Very reasonably priced, beautiful looking cigar. Love the packaging, love the taste, love the construction. You cannot go wrong. And I selected it to go perfectly, to pair perfectly with my libation that we'll get to in just a moment. Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. Self sharpening, double edged stainless steel guillotine ready. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. Well, at the Cigar Retailers Convention, the Premium Cigar Association trade show back the end of June, early July, I saw my buddy Yigal from Bugatti Lighters, and he gave me this new Vulcan. He said, General, you got to try this. It's revolutionary. It's a very unique lighter, beautiful torch lighter, two flames. But what's unique about it is that you do not refill the the butane. There's no little hole to go and fill the butane. Instead, they have these refill canisters that are small. I'm just pulling it out right now that are about, uh, let's see, just over, it's 0.01 fluid ounces. So it's got enough to light about 100 cigars. It's this little butane gas canister. Now, the cool thing is, if you're traveling and you do have a lighter that you can refill using that little, there's like a little hole that you can refill using a, a butane canister. This is a small butane canister. You can do that too. But the cool thing is on this Bugatti Vulcan lighter is that the bottom unscrews, when you run out of butane, you take the old butane canister, real small can, maybe about two and a half inches long by about, uh, I would say an inch in diameter, maybe less three quarters of an inch. And you just pop the new one in, you press down and then you screw it back in. So you've got a nice canister of butane. No mess, no fuss. You don't have to worry about about uh, draining or bleeding the tank, any vapor lock. And what's the number one common complaint that people have, that connoisseurs have about a jet fuel type of lighting system that uses the two jet flames, or three or four or one? They get ash in there. It's a very delicate uh, mechanism. And if you get too much ash in there, what happens? You can't light the cigars. Well, they give you a backup. It unscrews. I'm unscrewing it right now. The top part of the lighter actually unscrews right off. It is very, very unique. I think this thing goes for about 100 bucks. It's really a great deal. Very revolutionary. I said it was one of the big finds at the Premium Cigar Association convention. You can hear it right there. That's exactly what I will use today. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. Let me grab my Bugatti Vulcan. Slowly toast the foot of this beautiful crowned heads Luminosa. Taking my time, Mick the Brit. Do you have your cigar selection in hand? I do, sir, and I've already lightated. And what is your selection? It is a Monte Cristo. Monte, Monte Cristo, outstanding. A Cuban or a Dominican? A Cuban, General. Mm. What do they get for a Monte? What is it, a number two? Uh, yeah. No, but yeah, it's the, it's the uh, pyramid, the pyramid uh, shape. The pyramid. 
Yeah. Okay. And what uh, what do they get uh, for uh, retail? What did you pay for that cigar? Uh, well, I didn't pay that. <laughs> but oh, what um, would you pay, Mick? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I got it from a guy from a guy. Uh, normally about around about thirty-five, forty pounds. So that's almost fifty U.S. dollars. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the, it's because of the duty and taxation on tobacco. You see, unlike cigarettes, uh, to, uh, cigar uh, are uh, the tax put on cigars is by the weight, and obviously, cigar uh, t- tobacco leaf is is heavier than say. Uh, cigarettes or other tobacco products. Mick, I've got to tell you, 50 bucks for a Cuban cigar, forget it. Would I pay 50 bucks for a phenomenal Padron family reserve? You bet. But I wouldn't pay it for a Cuban because as far as I'm concerned, the Cubans just lack the consistency. And I will put any Dominican, Nicaraguan, Honduran cigar up against a Cuban. And I will guarantee you in terms of quality, Construction, taste, value, the Honduran, Nicaraguan, or Dominican, or even American, there's many cigars made in the U.S. of A, would beat the Cuban cigar hands down. No ifs, ands, or buts. Scotch, bourbon, and beer commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Well, Mick, in honor of the British election, I need something British. What do you think I'm going to enjoy for a spirit? Do you think it's going to be some Johnny... Walker, or as you would say, Johnny Walker. How do you you say Johnny Walker? Johnny Walker. Walker. Johnny Walker. Walker. And if you were to have, and if you were going to have W A T E R with the Johnny Walker, what? How would you say that? Water. Water. Not water. water. Yes. Water. No. Johnny Walker and water. We pronounce and announce our T's. Yes. Johnny Walker and water. water. Yes. Yes. Johnny Johnny Walker and water. Yes, yeah. we Johnny say it correctly, Mick. Water. Uh, no, I no, don't no. Think so, say that sir. one more we time. We invented it's... the language. Say, I don't say, think so, sir. Say that one more time the way you did that, uh, the way an American you think would say it. Johnny Walker and water. Yeah, right. Johnny Walker and... No, we don't say Johnny Walker and water. I say Johnny Walker and water. Very elegant, very smooth. I know you invented the language, Mick, but we have enhanced the language. Just How as dare if... you? You've upset Greta now. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're going to get to Greta. Don't you worry about that. How dare you, Mick? How dare you talk about the way that we pronounce Johnny Walker and water? How dare you? We're going to get to that. So, Mick, what do you think I'm going to enjoy today? What is British? What do you think of a spirit? Oh, yeah. Okay, and uh, London as well. I would think, I would think gin. Correct. Specifically, some Bombay dry gin distilled London dry gin using eight exotic botanicals, the Bombay dry gin classic, more traditional taste, strong juniper flavors, a dry finish. Botanicals used in the Bombay dry gin, uh, London dry gin, juniper berries from Italy, coriander seeds from Morocco, angelica root from Saxony, almonds from Spain, lemon peel from Spain, Cassia bark from Indochina, orris root from Italy, and licorice from China. And I'm going to have the classic, a Bombay dry and tonic. So first up, let me get my bottle of Bombay dry London gin. And I'm going to put a little bit of gin in here. 
Okay. Well, now what I'm going to do is take a little bit of gin, and I've got my ice right here. Fantastic. Let me do this because I've got that ready. Excellent. All right. Now I'm going to stir that a little bit. I'm going to say, whoops, hang on a second. I can do better than that. Let me say cheers. Mm. Mm. You know, the Bombay Dry and Tonic, it's very simple. Two parts Bombay Dry, four parts tonic water, and I don't go specifically exactly two and four. Some lemon peel, put some ice. Now, I use I don't use a highball glass. I just actually like it in a nice cognac snifter. I stir it, garnish with the lemon peel, and it is refreshing, it is delightful, it is tasty, and it goes perfectly with my crowned heads luminosa. Let me take a puff of the luminosa. Hmm. Very nice. Take a drip of my a drink of my Bombay London Dry and Tonic. Now, Mick, tell me what fuel are you using today to complement your Monte Cristo pyramid? <laughs> My good old trusty Grant's whiskey. What kind of whiskey? Grant's. G R A N T S. Yeah, Grant. Grant. Yeah, Grant. Yeah, it's a it's a blended whiskey, General, but it's very very nice. Well, Grant is from William Grant and Son which also makes Balvini one of my favorites. I love the Balvini Caribbean cask. You cannot go wrong with it. It is delightful. So, our cigars are now lit. We have our appropriate libation. We'll take a short time out. Mick and I will enjoy our cigars. We'll enjoy our libations. And when we come back, we will talk about climate. Climate change. Greta Thunberg. Oh, I am so angry at the world, what you people are doing, driving and flying. The melodrama continues, and we'll talk about the just hypocrisy that all these politicians love to exude flying all over the place to these to these climate change conferences in their private jets, guzzling fuel left and right. I have no problem with PAT, private air transportation. I'm all for it. However, you'll never hear me say, oh, Nobody else should do that because we have a climate change issue. No, I say it is all a fabricated existential BS crisis. We'll talk about that as we continue with Mick the Brit from the Brexit and UK Situation Room in Mick's Man Cave somewhere in a clandestine location in London. Get the latest cigars, hand-picked by the General, each month, delivered straight to your door. When you join the Cigar Dave Officers Club for just $22.95 a month, you'll receive three premium cigars in a customized Ziploc Cigar Dave pouch. To join, go to CigarDave.com. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. 
At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. As we wrap up 2019, we have had a magnificent year of Cigar Dave Officers Club selections, and we wrap up 2019 with a fantastic new cigar for December 2019. It is the Gurkha Real, introduced to rave reviews at the Premium Cigar Association Convention in late June and shipped to retailers a few months ago. The Gurkha Real is the perfect any-time-of-day cigar. Mild to medium in body, Gurkha Real delivers a nice, creamy, consistent, smooth taste, delightful notes of subtle sweetness, a cigar that you can enjoy anytime, any day. The Gurkha Real, the December 2019 Officers Club selection. For 2020, we've got fantastic cigars lined up. Become a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club right now. $22.95 per month gets you fantastic cigars, three per month. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and join. You will You'll love the cigars. Direct from Vegas, it is Paul Zim and the famous Zim Tones. Hanukkah, eight days away. First night, next Sunday, the 22nd. Let your dreidels turn, don't let your is burn. Hanukkah, a festival returns. Hanukkah party. The great Paul Zim. People don't realize how big Paul Zim is. Open for Wayne Newton many, many years ago at the old Sands Hotel. The number one Hanukkah performing artist around the world. And we have him right here on the Cigar Dave Show. Hanukkah coincides, as always, with the Festival of Litation. Hanukkah is known as the Festival of Lights. We celebrate, as well, the Festival of Litation. A different cigar lit every night for eight crazy nights. And that is all at CigarDave.com and all of our social media platforms. Just go to CigarDave.com, upper right-hand corner. Make sure you bookmark us as well as follow us on all the various social media platforms, and we've got a great lineup of cigars, a diverse lineup that we will enjoy for the Festival of Litation. Christmas starts, or is, uh, what, Christmas Eve, two nights later, and then Christmas Day, three days later. Busy time, and before you know it, it is time for the Cigar Dave Happy New Year Champagne and Sparkling Wine Tasting Edition. Two weeks from today. Two weeks and we are set. We've got a giant lineup of champagne sparkling wines. We're going to add some Proseccos this year. We're going to mix some Cavas. We're going to mix it up just a little bit as we get ready to ring in 2020. Mick the Brit rejoins us from the 
European Theater of Operations, of course, Mick, the colonel in charge of the UK, as well as the European Theater of Operations, a staunch pro-Brexit, I would say, individual, Mick, and you did vote, of course, for our good buddy Boris. Well, indeed, yes. Oh, well, I do have a yeah. little problem with Boris. He was in when, when that little uh, pipsqueak from uh, Canada, when Trudeau, when little Justin Trudeau was uh, amongst with uh, the, the French president and uh, uh, Macron, Mackie Macron as I call him, the little, the little Frenchie, as well as yeah. Boris. They were all taking little shots at uh, President Trump. And by the way, Mick, you know this to be true. You know this. I'm just stating fact. You guys would all be speaking German, Deutsch, if it weren't for the United States. <laughs> so you better tell Boris he needs to cool out. And I'm telling you, the French, they are ungrateful little bastards. I've hated the French yeah. ever since w- – I've hated the French since I was born. Let me tell you, the French, they're <laughs> ungrateful little bastard pricks. And I'm going to tell you something. Nothing brings me more pleasure than to watch those little scaredy-cat, wussified, beta French – wave their white flag, and surrender and retreat because they do it better than any other army in the world. And if it weren't for the United States, they would all be speaking German. You would be speaking German. I mean, you talk about a country that rolled over and just said to the Nazis, come on in, please help yourself. It were the French. The Brits put up a fight. The French, come right in. Oui, oui, come in, you Nazis. Come in, take whatever you want. Go ahead, welcome. Our country is yours. You would like some cheese, some French wine? Here, Nazis, welcome to France. Every other country resisted, not the French. And in fact, you will remember, this is factually correct. uh, uh, General George S. Patton, the greatest general of them all, was marching into France. He was marching into Paris. They had overtaken France. They were coming in. They were driving out the Nazis left and right. And Ike, the Supreme Allied Commander, told George Patton to stand down, let de Gaulle come in, General de Gaulle, let him go in, and let him march in, claiming victory as they walk into Paris as they were reclaiming Paris. It was a charade. De Gaulle and the Mm. French army did jack you-know-what. It was the Mm -hmm. United States, the Allied army, that came in. The U.S. under General George S. Patton that kicked ass and took names along the way up to Paris. And, And Patton was right. He didn't like De Gaulle, didn't like the French. He knew damn well that they loved taking the credit. De Gaulle, perfect politician, loves to take the credit. When everything's going to hell in a handbasket, ah, I am nowhere to be found. When I, I had nothing to do with France, with how you say France surrendering. No, 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 not me. But boy, when all of a sudden the U.S. Army is ready to come in and, and recapture, reclaim Paris after they've driven out the Nazis, nope, got to stop, General Patton. We got to give de Gaulle all the credit. It was an outrage. I don't like the French today. I think they're pompous little pipsqueak asses. Don't like them then, didn't like them now, can't stand them. And they have this way of thinking and and looking down on America. They think they are so smart, they are so superior. They are a nothing country. They're a garbage country. The French people are nothing without the United States. I hate to tell you this, Mick, and I'm on a rant here, but you know I'm right. Europe would be rolled over and steamrolled by the Soviet Union, by Russia today, if it weren't for the United States. And how does the European Union, how do the NATO allies, how do they thank us? By number one, not paying their fair share. Correct. 
That's number one. And number two, Angela Merkel, that beast, the Chancellor of Deutschland, of Germany. Sorry, Baron. I know that your family's originally from Germany. <laughs> don't, don't, he's giving me a look. But you're American now, Baron. That's okay. You're a good American. I know your, your ancestors are from Deutschland, from the Alsatian region. But however, they're building a big pipeline to bring all this Russian oil in. And yet, they still want the United States to pick up the tab to protect them. That is chutzpah. The NATO countries are not picking up their 2% agreed-upon fair share to spend on defense. Mick, I am. it's an outrage. It is absolutely unacceptable. They're deadbeats, Mick, and I think you guys owe some more money, too. Hour two of the Cigar Dave Show with Mick the Brit comes your way next. This is AMEM, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time. For the General, General Cigar, Cigar Day. Well, I got on a heated rant against the French. For good reason. They're spineless. They're wussified betas. And their president, Mackie Macron as I call him, Emmanuel Macron, dissing our president along with little Justin Trudeau, who's another wussified beta. Talk about a puss. Fits the bill. And Boris Johnson of the UK got into that too, but not so much. But I will say this, the, friend, the French were American allies. Yes, they helped us against the British over 200 years ago, but they changed along the way. They became very wussified and pussycatified. Surrender. They would be speaking German if it weren't for the United States of America. And how do they thank us? By looking down at us. So screw the French. I do not apologize for not uh, liking the French in any way, shape, or form. Welcome back, hour number two of the Cigar Dave Show. And joining us from the European Theater of Operations, from the Brexit and British Election Situation Room in his very secure Alpha Man Cave, somewhere in a classified location in London town, it is Mick the Brit. Mick, you know I'm right about the French. Can't stand them. And I know there's a little bit of a rivalry between the French and the Brits as well. Indeed, General. Uh, There is rivalry of course uh, everybody loves to hate the brits as well so uh, that goes with the territory being british i'm afraid yes now mick i will say this there are numerous countries as you know in nato there is a by agreement every nato member every nato country must spend by agreement two percent of their gdp their gross domestic product on defense And President Trump has had a big problem with many NATO countries being deadbeats. They're not paying their fair share. That is not right. The United States has been carrying the load. Now, let me give you the figures from 2019, the estimated figures. The United States, 3.42% of our GDP on defense. Greece, 2.24%. Estonia, 2.13%. 
The UK, 2.13. So you're not deadbeats. Romania, 2.04. Poland, 2.0. Latvia, 2.0. Lithuania, 1.98. Okay, I'm ready. It's close enough. I'm close enough. Turkey, 1.89. France is a deadbeat, 1.84. You know who else is a deadbeat? Our neighbors to the north, Canada. They spend 1.27%. I'm sorry. They need to spend more. Same thing with the Deutsch, uh, the Germans, 1.36. And I got a kick out of Angela Merkel. She's a beast, by the way. If you ever look at her, she's a beast. She's outgoing. She's been chancellor for 12 years. I don't know. What is she like? Uh, something. I think she's like 60, 61, but she looks like she's 161. Beast. Yeah, Let me tell you something. Gym. Oh, yeah. I think she was one of those athletes that were taking all those uh, steroids. Yeah, she is. She's got That's something right. growing down south. Yeah, the, yeah, from East Germany. Exactly. Germany, 1.36%. And I love they had to uh, – Merkel said, well, we're within, within 10, 15 years, we'll, we should be up to like one point – if I'm not mistaken, I think she said like 1.7%. Gee, thanks. Canada, 1.27. And Trump was brilliant. They're talking last week at their NATO meetings. He's sitting with little Justin, who is a total little wussified pussycat. And he says, oh, yeah, well, what did Trump look so cool? He says, now, so what, what are you guys spending? Uh, Trudeau says, well, we're spending more on defense. We're, we're going to be increasing. And so Trump says, yeah, yeah. Now, what, what percentage are you spending again? And he says, well, we're currently at like 1.3. But by the next uh, few years, we should be up to like 1.6. And he said, yeah, still below 2%. Yeah, OK, nice political answer. You still got to spend more. It was beautiful. And of course, Trudeau, from that point on, was very upset because Trump, called him out right on the carpet. And that's what I love about Trump. He doesn't have this diplomatic nonsense. He tells it like it is. If you're a deadbeat, tell it like it is. So, Mick, UK is spending their fair share, just like the US, Greece, Estonia, Romania, Poland, Latvia, Lithuania. So I got to give the UK credit. They are our friends. Thank you, General. Indeed, and we paid our debt back for WW2. I think the last payment was about 10, 15 years ago. Well, good. We're happy to take it because let's face it. Otherwise, Mick, you'd be brushing up on your Deutsch. I wonder. I oh, wonder yes. what your German would be like with a British accent. That would be certainly interesting. Mm. But yeah, I don't want to even think about that, General. Thank you very much. All right, now, Mick. I should also tell you that, as you know, with the big election results that uh, took place, the election was Thursday, but it really didn't. Uh, the the results weren't weren't announced until in the wee hours of Friday morning. So yeah. it was yesterday. As soon as the election was done, interesting op-ed was printed in The Guardian, a British paper, entitled, Britain Needs Its Own Mueller Report on Russian Interference by Glenn Simpson and Peter Frisch. These are the two bastards, the two lying sacks of garbage enemies of America, or enemies of America, that, that... created the BS nonsensical Trump dossier along with uh, former British MI6 agent uh, Steele. I can't remember his first name. Was it Michael Steele? Something like that. But Christopher Steele, thank you very much. Little Chrissy, Chrissy Steele. Now this is, and and I want to point this out to all of our alphas that are listening. This is what happens when the liberals don't get their way. They need a safe space. What's the first thing they do? And we're going to start seeing this in every election hereafter. Anytime 
a Republican beats a Democrat. I don't care if it is for president. I don't care if it's for Senate, for the House, for governors, uh, a governor's mansion. This is going to be the new MO. They're immediately going to call into question the legitimacy and authenticity of the election. The Brits voted not once for Brexit, but yesterday de facto twice. And they did it yesterday in overwhelming margin. It wasn't even close. The Labor Party lost 70-some-odd seats. The Conservatives gained 50 seats. Boris Johnson made the call that he was going to call for an election. Because what did we hear from all these anti-Brexit? Oh, we need another election. There should be another vote. So Boris Johnson takes the uh, becomes prime minister in the fall, and he said, I'll call, I'll, I'm going to call your bluff. We'll have an election, and it's going to be in December. Unusual, very quick election, snap election, if you will, and the people spoke in volumes. Just like we saw here in Georgia, where one of the gubernatorial candidates, the Democrat, Stacey Abrams, didn't win. So, of course, she says, well, I'm really the rightfully elected governor. I'm this, I'm that. The election was rigged, blah, 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 because the other opponent, a Republican opponent, was Secretary of State, and he got all these people off the ballots, and I would have won otherwise. And the reason that, as Secretary of State, he had to get rid of a great number of people off the ballot rolls is because of federal law that were passed by the Democrats and the Republicans that stated that every number of years, the secretaries of state and the election supervisors must go through their, their, uh, their election rolls, their, their, their voter rolls and registration rolls, and if people haven't voted or if they find that there have been deceased voters, they check all the various records, they have to take them off. Now, somebody can still go and say, look, I have the right to vote, Here's my ID. I didn't vote for the last 10 years, but I have the right to vote. They can still cast their vote subject to verification. So nobody's vote is being not counted or being denied the right to vote. But of course, what we're seeing now is a level of hysteria. Question the legitimacy of the election. Hillary Clinton did it using Glenn Simpson and Peter Frisch of Fusion GPS. Well, this article that I find yesterday... Hours after, just barely hours after, the conservatives whack the liberals, the opponents. Headline, Britain needs its own Mueller report on Russian interference. Now, let me just read a couple of excerpts. And I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make this whole show political. But when there are stories or there are items of interest that affect us all, and there's going to be another big election here next fall, and I think the British results is a precursor of what's going to happen here. My prediction the Republicans are going to recapture the House. They may not get a big majority, but enough. And I think President Trump, people look and say, these Democrats are clowns. I like the way things are going. And remember, it's just certain key states. We've got to win, the president has to win the Electoral College. And of course, now you've got all the liberals and Democrats saying, oh, the, the, the Electoral College, it should be taken out. It's unfair. We need to get rid of it. Elizabeth Warren saying, when I'm elected president, this will be the last election that will ever have the Electoral College. Apparently, Focahontas Warren, who is a law professor, has failed to read the U.S. Constitution and what it takes to overturn or to, to pass an amendment to the Constitution. Two-thirds vote ratified by the states. Good luck. Not going to happen, especially from the smaller states. They're the largest percentage 
of space devoted in the Constitution to any one subject is on the Electoral College. Fact. So our founding forefathers had the foresight to envision the importance of counting votes from small states, not just from big urban areas. It's a brilliant system. And the Democrats loved it when they won, but when they didn't, all of a sudden we need to eliminate it. But I think the British election is a precursor of what we are going to see. But of course, what's the first thing that Glenn Simpson, Peter Frisch of Fusion GPS do? Come out with an article. And they're saying that the British political system has been compromised by Russian influence. That's the first sentence. It's high time its institutions, including the media, woke up to that fact. Again, what do you do when you lose an election? What did Hillary Clinton, what did the Democrats do? What did Fusion GPS, what was their part of this whole conspiracy? Create doubt. Create the appearance that the election was fraudulent, that the votes that were cast were not legitimately cast and throw the whole legitimacy of the election and presidency in question. And for three years, we've had to listen to this nonsensical Mueller report with a special prosecutor that was appointed because the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, Goober Sessions, didn't have the spine or the backbone or the alphaness to say, I'm not recusing myself, this is a load of nonsense, period. And so for three years, we've had to endure this nonsense with the Mueller report. And even when the Mueller report said, yeah, the Trump, President Trump and his people had in the campaign had nothing to do with Russia, not good enough. So now we go to impeachment. But in this article, they say that in 2016, both the UK, the United States were the targets of Russian efforts to swing their votes. And he talks about Brexit, that Russia swung the Brexit vote. Never mind that maybe the people of Britain, the people of the United States said, enough's enough. We're tired of the, of the political nonsense going on. We're tired of the political elitists. We're tired of these globalists. We're tired of the swamp. We're tired of getting screwed. We're going to stand up and say, enough's enough. We're going to vote for President Trump. And if you're in the UK, we're voting for Brexit, for us to leave the EU and to be able to make our own decisions, our own sovereign decisions, not by some unelected bureaucracy in Brussels. So what do they do now? They're coming up with this, this, it's a four-page article, saying that the efforts by the Russians in both countries much in common, that they worked in concert with Russians close to the, to the uh, Kremlin. It says our Washington-based research firm, Fusion GPS, conducted much of the early investigations into Russia's support of the Trump campaign, aided by our colleague Christopher Steele. I mean, they're actually proud of this BS dossier, which has been proven to be absolute balderdash, absolute hogwash, absolute poppycock, absolute nonsense. And they go on and on and saying, it is now time that a Mueller-style investigation looking into the election, a full independent public accounting of Russian efforts to interfere in Britain's politics must be underway. It's essential to halt Russia's attack on Britain's democracy and restore confidence in its policy. So they can't accept the fact that Brits and Americans said, we don't like business as usual in Washington or in London. Mick the Brit, you talk to many people all the time of various religions, various races, various uh, uh, economic stature, various uh, white-collar, blue-collar. 
Sure. Overall, what when, when the Brexit vote was going down, and even today, what do people in Britain say? Is it, is it because of Russia, or is it because people are fed up that an unelected group of bureaucrats in Brussels are dictating the laws in Britain? Yes, the latter, General, the latter. And, you know, I used to say to people, right, let's turn the question on, on upside down. If we weren't in the EU, but we had the opportunity to join... Would you like to join something with its own flag, its own national anthem, its own currency? Uh, its Supreme Court can overrule your Supreme Court at times, and it costs millions of pounds a week to belong to. Would you want to belong to that? And guess what, General? Whoever I spoke to, the first words out of their mouths was not yes. Correct. So, it wasn't yeah. Russia that said anything. Uh, Russia no. didn't influence me. Now, I will no. say this. I must admit this. That before the election, I do believe that I actually ate a salad that had Russian dressing on it. So, to a degree, when I cast my vote, I, there was some Russian taint. However, there was no Russian agent. There was no... Uh, I didn't get a, a visit from somebody named Boris or somebody named Vladimir saying, Excuse me, Mr. Cigar Dave, Mr. General, we implore you to vote for Mr. Trump. We do not like Hillary Clinton. Mr. Trump, we can work with. We have the goods on Trump. We have big dossier on him. Nobody said that. It's fact, or it's fiction. It's not fact. People in this country voted according to their beliefs, the same way that Brits did yeah. in big numbers. It wasn't even close. So for these clowns who have been really discredited in every way, shape, or form to have the chutzpah, to come up with an article saying that Britain needs to have a some sort of Mueller investigation nonsense. I can tell you this, Jerry Corbin, Jeremy Corbin, he had his head between his tail yesterday. His head was in his tuchus. He basically said, you know, we got our asses kicked and I'm not going to be leading any future uh, national elections. I'm done. Bye-bye. They basically gave him a copy of the home game and said, goodbye, leave. Not wanted. So it had nothing to do with anything Russian, and just it's it's nonsense. All right, Mick, let me yeah. let me get. The oh, one, one more thing, thing General. Yes, that ahead. newspaper publication, The Guardian, that is a liberal newspaper. Correct. So, yeah. So uh, no surprises. It was they published it. That is correct. All right, I do want to talk about uh, get to some toxic masculinity here. As you know, toxic masculinity, toxic. Male privilege, we're hearing those phrases over and over. Everything men do, if you say good morning to a woman and she's not a morning person, you have exuded your toxic masculinity. If you compliment a woman and say, those shoes look marvelous on you, oh, that's demonstrating toxic masculinity with your toxic male privilege. Latest example, two nights ago, Taylor Swift named Billboard's Woman of the Decade. I can honestly say I don't think I have ever... I've heard her songs, but nothing that really grabs me. I have nothing. They're not on my Spotify or my, uh, on my iPhone. None, none of her songs have made the Cigar Dave, the General's list of music selections that I carry with me. But she's successful, sold a ton of records, and sells out her concerts, so I have to give her credit. Name the woman of the decade Thursday night. But her speech did not contain the usual award show platitudes. Now, she has been embroiled in a very nasty, long-standing dispute with a gentleman named Scooter Braun, 
about the rights to her music. Apparently, Scooter Braun's Ithaca Holdings, that was funded by the Soros family, 23 Capital, and the Carlyle Group, purchased the rights to her music library, I guess from the first 10 years of her career. Now, people don't realize that when a record company signs you, in many cases, the record company owns the rights to your music. They are the publishers. They get the royalties. They're entitled to that unless an artist specifically negotiates that. Well, many new artists that are up and coming, they don't know left from right. They just want to get a record deal. They sign a record deal. They get on tour. And the next thing you know, they don't own the rights to their own content. And that is not just a rarity, I think, in recording. It happens in broadcasting. It happens in the arts. Just a number of different uh, businesses. Always own your intellectual property. That's why I, the general, own my intellectual property. Nobody, no broadcast group, nobody owns it. It is me. It is I. That's it. So I can do whatever I want. But Taylor Swift, her own songs, she can't perform unless royalties are paid to this, uh, this, this Scooter Bronze Ithaca Holdings group. So she's been angry. Now, I don't know what these circumstances, supposedly she was, they, they, they reached out to her to try to negotiate. I don't know, but all I know is she's angry. And if she's angry at this one guy, I understand that. But she lumped all of masculinity, all male kind, into the group. And take a listen to what she had to say going after the male species two nights ago. And let me just say that the definition of the toxic male privilege in our industry is people saying, but he's always been nice to me when I'm raising valid concerns about artists and their rights to own their music. I have no problem with an artist and her owning her music. It all depends how you negotiate. And I think by her bringing this up, many new artists are going to say, not so fast. I want to own my rights. And that may be a sticking point. But with the internet today being able to put their music on YouTube, artists have more power than they have in the past. Singers, performers. So she's angry at maybe her agents in the past, the record company executives who probably were men. But this isn't just confined to men. If there are women that are in the recording industry, I'm sure many of them signed deals that benefited their own company, not necessarily the artist. But to go after men, talk about toxic male privilege, unacceptable. And I've said this all along. Are there men in the recording industry or entertainment that have no integrity, that are scumbags like Harvey Weinstein? You better believe it. But to lump every man, the entire male species, as being toxic masculinity is unacceptable. She's got a problem with this one individual and other males. That doesn't mean we are all like that. Big difference. Proud to be an alpha male and a gentleman. Check out the all-new CigarDave.com. Get info on the cigars and libations the general enjoys during the show. Get recipes from the pooch pit and drink cocktails, too. You can listen to the show on our 24-7 stream or download the latest podcast to listen to anytime. Get it all at CigarDave.com.
In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar-making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Jenny Mathis. And we are in the holiday season. Don't forget, always keep some Johnny Mathis in your Spotify or your iTunes or whatever service that you use, music service. For those times when you are with your harem, whether it's one or 32, the women, the dames love Johnny Mathis. A little Johnny, hello, I'm Johnny Mathis. By the way, Mick the Brit, who rejoins us from the London Theater of Operations in a clandestine location in his Brexit and uh, British election situation room. Do you know how old Johnny Mathis is now, his age? Ooh, he's got to be up there now. I would say round about upper 70s. 84. Can you believe no, it? Oh, wow. Yeah, it no, is unbelievable. No. And he's still touring, just like Engelbert Humperdinck. But it's amazing. I just saw a picture of him. <laughs> and a lot of pictures you see on albums are from he was, you know, like 25 years ago on his press pictures. Uh, Johnny definitely is uh, up there. He's He looks good, but yeah. he definitely starting to look a little long in the tooth. That's what happens. Uh, he's 84, yeah. but still looks pretty damn good. Don't know how God he. Bless. Uh, yeah, God bless as well. And look at uh, Engelbert Humperdinck, one of your one of your uh, fellow paisans, fellow uh, Englishmen, still Indeed, touring. General. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I mean, he's still he's. I tell you, he's still got the voice. It's amazing. Now, of course, he doesn't have the little tight waist that he used to, but he's still you know wearing a shirt open a little bit. Not like back in the seventies, man. When I tell you, oh, there, we we will find. I think Sergeant Steve, didn't we run a? I think we talked about. Engelbert, and we found a clip from his Vegas performance where it was so blatantly sexual. He had several women on on the stage. Didn't we talk about that a while back? And I think we posted that. Yeah, yeah I'll have to dig it up. Yeah, we. I, I know we did, but I mean, it is so blatantly sexual. The connotations, unbelievable. But back in the day, man, I mean, listen, he was uh, he was the king. And when you look at Johnny Mathis, hello, I'm Johnny Mathis. Still got a great voice. 
Yeah. Still, I mean, it's still a classic. It's amazing. All these artists, whether you look at Johnny Mathis or Engelbert Humperdinck or um, Tom, Tom Jones. Jones, what's up, Pussycat? These guys are still performing. It is amazing. I mean, look at look at um, um, what's his name from the Rolling Stones, Mick uh, Mick, Mick Jagger. Jagger. I mean, he's yeah. he's late seventies. It's incredible. Oh yeah. But Johnny Mathis, yeah, yeah. a classic. Can't go wrong with that. And what's amazing is that more albums for for Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra are being sold today than ever before, even by young people. They don't go out of style. No ifs, ands, or buts. They are fantastic. All right, let us talk about the time 2019 person of the year, Greta Thunberg. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet, you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet, I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? For more than 30 years, the science has been crystal clear. Oh my goodness, the ecosystem's collapsing. Mick the Brit, Sergeant Steve, I'm getting under my desk right now, just as a precaution. Hang on a second. I'm getting under my desk, just in case the ecosystem collapses. How dare you? How dare you? I mean, this girl has been completely brainwashed, manipulated by pathetic, manipulative handlers and her parents. Named the Time 2019 Person of the Year, youngest recipient of the honor. For decades, they say, researchers and activists have struggled to get world leaders to take the climate threat seriously. But this year, an unlikely teenager somehow got the world's attention. Thunberg said she fell into a deep depression after becoming aware of climate change issues when she was 11, but managed to come out of it by trying to fix the world. (laughs) Snap out of it, sweetheart. Come on. I know you're depressed about climate change. Snap out of it. Can you imagine? She snapped out of it. Learning about climate change triggered my depression in the first place, she told Time. But it was also what got me out of my depression. Because there were things I could do to improve the situation. I don't have time to be depressed anymore. I feel sorry for this, this girl, 16 years old. Now people say, well, wait a minute. You're picking on a 16-year-old. That's the same as when somebody goes after Baron Trump, President Trump and Melania Trump's son. No, completely different. Baron Trump is not in the spotlight. The president and the first lady are not putting him out in the spotlight, the same way that the Obamas did not put their daughters in the spotlight. This girl's parents have thrust her in the spotlight. They're handlers. They are using her. The climate change activists, the nutcases, the wackadoodles, the handlers... They're using her. When they're done with her, they'll discard her like a piece of trash. Guaranteed. Greta Thunberg suffers from several medical issues. She has had depression. She's got Asperger's. I think, if I'm not mistaken, she's got uh, autism. 
She suffers from a multitude of serious issues. The last thing that her parents should be doing is throwing her out in the public eye. They're using her. So when she comes out and stalks the president, the UN, you tell me how when President Trump was walking by to deliver a speech, how on earth did they let her in? This was all contrived. They let her in. You could see her staring at President Trump. Her speech, she memorized that speech. That speech she didn't write. She memorized it. She is being used like a little lemming. They're telling her, you sit down, we're going to brainwash you. You are like climate change youth. You are going to read this. Here's another report. Teen climate guru Greta Thunberg snaps, demands change to everything in creepy doomsday op-ed. In a recent op-ed for the Project Syndicate, she lashed out at the entire world and her op-ed demanded change to everything. The young teen said that fossil fuels are literally killing mankind and a threat to humanity's very existence. She went on to whine that her climate agenda is not just about the environment, it's also about fighting the colonialism, racism, and patriarchal systems of oppression. Do you think a 16-year-old came up with that statement? No, it was written for her by her handlers and her parents that are more than happy to throw her out and cash in on her fame. And by the way, she came over to the United States on a, uh, a sailboat. I think an electrically solar-powered sailboat. But how did she get back to her native Sweden? <gasps> she flew on an airplane. But don't worry, because they bought offset carbon credits. Please, that's another load of horse dung. And she goes on to say, I mean, she's a total mindless lemming puppet pushing absolute junk science because we have stated, and we know from the UN's own climate change director who said climate change has nothing to do with climate. It has everything to do with wealth redistribution. A few people at the top can create a fictional, what they call existential threat to humanity and use it to enrich themselves. Al Gore did it. Greta Thunberg's family is doing it, and her handlers are doing it, and every other person that jumps up and down and says, we must do something about climate change, and attends all these different climate change conferences and seminars, they're all flying there in their private jets. And I've got a case example in just a few moments. Thunberg admitted the the Paris climate change has done nothing. It's been an abject failure. Here's what she said. Now, you tell me if this sounds the way a 16-year-old girl would talk or write. Recent research shows that we are on track to produce 120% more fossil fuels in 2030 than would be consistent with the 1.5% or correction, 1.5 degrees centigrade limit. The concentration of climate heating greenhouse gases in our atmosphere has reached a record high with no sign of a slowdown. Even if countries fulfill the current emissions reduction pledges, we are headed for a 3.2% centigrade increase. Please. And she said her far-left activism has been about changing perceptions and shifting public opinion on climate change and getting school children to lead the way in raising awareness. Translated, she wants school children to be brainwashed by their teachers, which is exactly what took place with Greta Thunberg. She was brainwashed by her teachers, by her parents, and by her handlers. I don't know of any 16-year-old that says, quote, fossil fuels are literally choking the life from us. That action must be powerful and wide-ranging. After all, the climate crisis is not just about the environment. 
It's a crisis of human rights, of justice, and of political will. Colonial racist and patriarchal systems of oppression have created and fueled it. We need to dismantle them all. Our political leaders can no longer shirk their responsibilities. And she said her goal is to create a climate resistance movement to change everything. Have we not heard about the resistance movement here in the U.S.? This is exactly what they want. They want to create a fictional existential crisis because, remember, a majority of people around the world, not us alphas, but a majority of people will listen, they will believe whatever you tell them. If you put in front of the average person a pile of cow dung and tell them that it is a filet mignon, if you tell that to them often enough, they'll believe it, they'll eat it and say, oh, this tastes great. This is great filet. It's true. Most people do not think for themselves. They follow whomever they want to believe is right. They follow what they perceive as their leader. They're dumb lemmings. We as alphas think for ourselves. That's why the libs can't stand us, because we think for ourselves. We're smart enough to read, to be educated, to make rational judgments, to debate in reality, not in fiction. They can't stand that. And Leonardo DiCaprio, another phony, another fraud, another absolute hypocrite, calls Greta Thunberg a leader of our time, saying it's because of Greta and young activists everywhere that I'm optimistic about what the future holds. He said spending time with her was an honor, and we've made the commitment to support one another. This is the same guy that jumps up and down about climate change that's produced umpteen documentaries on climate change called Sea of Shadows, Catching the Sun, Before the Flood, A Plastic Ocean, Virunga. Why? Because he said we've got an existential climate change crisis. We need to change things. But yet, as the leaked Sony email documents of a number of years ago revealed, he demanded private plane transportation to and from New York to L.A., New York to Vegas, for a short of a date, one-day trip instead of taking commercial, demanded Sony's plane. This is the guy that says we absolutely must do something about climate change. A couple of weeks ago, Harvard-Yale game ends in near darkness. Climate change protest. These nut jobs that, again, have been brainwashed from the time they're in grade school about the existential climate change. At halftime, these clowns, these yo-yos, decide they're going to sit in the field, middle of the field, and protest. And it took over an hour to get rid of these people, and the game barely ended before a dark fell. Here's another clown, a guy by the name of Wes Seiler, wrote an article in OutsideOnline.com. Headline, I got a vasectomy because of climate change. And he talks about struggling with the personal responsibility for society to address climate change, that massive corporations, the majority of our carbon emissions, there's been nothing done about it. Politicians haven't done anything that when he got engaged, he and his wife Virginia started planning for a family. But then he realized 20 years down the road, we're going to live in a society, in a world where we're going to have a massive climate change crisis. So what's he going to do? He's not going to have kids. He is going to get a vasectomy, which he did, and he talks about it. But the one thing that I found amusing about this clown is that he drives a 15-mile-per-gallon pickup truck. And he said, even though 
By switching to a bicycle, I'd save the planet 2.4 tons of carbon emissions a year, and it would be a massive sacrifice. It's not enough to change the world. So therefore, he's going to continue to drive his pickup truck. Please, the hypocrisy is overwhelming. In Italy, first country to make studying climate change compulsory in schools. That, my friends, is called compulsory mandatory brainwashing. Climate change youth. Italy, the first country to adopt a climate change curriculum in public schools. They will dedicate 33 hours per year, one hour per week, to discuss the challenges of climate change. I wonder, do they spend 33 hours a school year on talking about World War II and how Mussolini was one of the uh, three Axis countries of evil? I wonder if they discuss World War II for more than three minutes. Michael Bloomberg. By the way, don't know if you realize this, but Michael Bloomberg, this is true. His physician announced two days ago, the campaign released a letter from his doctor saying he's in outstanding health, no medical conditions that would prevent him from serving as president. However, I've exclusively obtained information, leaked documents, that the doctor did, however, diagnose Michael Bloomberg with MPD, with missing personality disorder, and low C, low charisma. No chance of this clown winning the election. But don't worry. While he tells everybody don't drink big gulps and don't eat salt, I guarantee you there's salt on his private plane. The same private jet. His $42 million Falcon 900, great airplane, by the way, three engines, transatlantic range, love it, flown in one. It's fantastic. I'm all for private air transportation. What I'm not in favor is when these supposed climate change activists and politicians and business people jump up and down and wag their finger at you saying, we need to be more sustainable on our planet. We've got to do our part to make sure climate change does not affect the earth. We've got to lower temperatures, all this other nonsense. And yet they fly, like Bloomberg flew, to the UN climate meeting in Spain to lecture on sustainability using his private Falcon 900, which he also commutes when he was uh, gov- or mayor of New York. He would commute every weekend primarily to, the, uh, to his home in Bermuda. I have no problem with that, but I have a problem with the hypocrisy. And by the way, his plane, when you look at the amount of emissions, 37 times more carbon emissions from his Falcon 900 than if he would have taken the same trip to Madrid from New York on a commercial flight. But remember, do as I say, not as I do. Al Gore, Bloomberg, Nancy Pelosi, Greta Thunberg, Leonardo DiCaprio, all these climate change kooks and wackadoodles stand on their soapbox and preach to you not to drive an SUV. Don't use air conditioning. Turn your air conditioning off. Use less uh, less fuel. Travel less. But yet, they do nothing to alter their lifestyle. That's why I know that climate change is an absolute crock. Barack Obama, who stated, climate change. We're seeing rising seas, existential threat. We need to do something. Our, our, our border cities, our coastal cities will all be wiped out in the next 20 years. And yet what does Obama do? Just spent $12 million on a Martha's Vineyard estate right near the water at sea level. So you tell me, if Barack Obama, Mr. Climate Change uh, 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 Crusader himself, is so worried about rising sea levels 
then why on earth would he spend $12 million on a Martha's Vineyard summer home that's at sea level? The answer, because he knows, like all the other people that jump up and down creating this phony climate change existential crisis, that there is no climate change crisis. We've only been keeping climactic records, climatological records, for, what, 150 years, maybe less than that? The Earth has been around billions of years. It's a blip. And as all the major meteorologists have stated, the actual ones that know what they're talking about, they say this has nothing to do with the Earth. It's all with the sun, the rotation, other things like that. So Bloomberg flies into the UN climate meeting in Spain, lectures on sustainability, and yet flies on his private plane. One other thing, President Trump tweets out, talking about Greta Thunberg, so ridiculous. Greta must work on her anger management problem, then go to a good old-fashioned movie with a friend. Chill, Greta, chill. He's right. And, of course, he got lambasted on that because he, people said, going after a 16-year-old? Please, an older man going on a 16-year-old? That's unacceptable. Her parents, her handlers, put her in the spotlight. End of discussion. Final concluding segment of this edition of The Cigar Dave Show is next. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. <laughs> that could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Dave. As we wrap up 2019, we have had a magnificent year of Cigar Dave Officers Club selections, and we wrap up 2019 with a fantastic new cigar for December 2019. It is the Gurkha Real, introduced to rave reviews at the Premium Cigar Association convention in late June and shipped to retailers a few months ago. The Gurkha Real is the perfect any time of day cigar. Mild to medium in body, Gurkha Real delivers a nice, creamy, consistent, smooth taste, delightful notes of subtle sweetness, a cigar that you can enjoy anytime, any day. The Gurkha Real, the December 2019 Officers Club selection. For 2020, we've got fantastic cigars lined up. Become a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club right now. $22.95 per month gets you fantastic cigars, three per month. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, and join. You will You'll love the cigars. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. If you're a beginner, or if you just enjoy a great mild cigar like I do in the morning, I suggest you try the Vintage 99. This seven-year-old Connecticut wrapper delivers a creamy, mild, smooth flavor. It's very, very balanced on your palate, and it absolutely is delightful. Tons of flavor, a perfect draw, and an incredible ash. This cigar is smooth. It will entice you to enjoying more and more of the Vintage 99s. It's just a nice, great, balanced, smooth cigar. Look for it, the oldest Connecticut shape in the market today. I'm Rocky Patel, and I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancer and heart disease.
Mick the Brit, rejoining us from the European Theater of Operations. As always, we thank you for joining us, Mick, and giving us your your take on the big British election. Glad to see that Boris Johnson and the Conservatives have increased their majority. Indeed, General. And uh, at this juncture, before we, uh, we finish there, I'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, and Happy Holidays, General. And same to you, Mick. All the best to you and... And uh, Mama the Brit, happy birthday to her, to Colonel Ange next Thursday. And Mick, I'm sure we will be speaking before the holidays, but as always, delightful to have you on. And hopefully I will get across the pond to London Town and see you along with Captain Eric very soon. Fantastic. All right, Lieutenant Salfas, hope you enjoyed the show. Much more coming your way. Next week, as always, we fight the battle against the enemies of pleasure and share the alpha lifestyle. Cigar Day, the general saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make America great again. And make Brexit happen soon. <laughs>